and how tragic that we come to a place where we have segmented the body of Christ. There is one spirit, and that one spirit didn't just move in with us. He is one with us in our spirit. And when he's one with us, he's one with the others who've accepted him. And the reality is we're one together in the body. <laughs> and as much, as much as we try, we can't segment. And we have to bring that spirit of unity and welcome him back. Because he's there, but we've ignored it. Intentional Gospel is a ministry founded by Joshua and Mary Brooke Kroom. The mission of Intentional Gospel is to equip Christians to live out their faith intentionally by utilizing their specific gifts, personalities, skills, temperaments, and experiences, all for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk with Joshua Kroom today on Mid-South Viewpoint. Joshua, welcome to the program. How are you doing? Excellent. Thank you so much for having me. It's a blessing to be here. I'm looking forward to this time and connecting the dots here. I discovered that you are the son of some longtime dear friends of my wife and mine. Your mom, Lisa, and your dad, Mark Kroom. We were in a class together, in a young married class together, many, many years ago. I hate to say how many years ago. It's been a long time ago. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> to have grown children now that have their own children, because you've got, what, three children of your own now. That's correct. I'm one on the way. Congratulations, Joshua. That is so exciting for you and Mary Brooke to welcome another child, a gift of God. Amen. Your wife actually came here to Memphis when she was a child. Her parents are also people I know. Wendy and Mike Crouch have been in the ministry. Of course, Wendy's parents, the Weatherwaxes, Phil Weatherwax. I know Adrian Rogers used to call him Moose. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I call him Moose. You call him Moose, too. <laughs> Another story you might not know is that my dad and Phil Weatherwax used to work together at International Harvester Company when it was in Frazier. That wow. goes way back, too, when you start connecting the dots and just see what a small world we live in. But you married Mary Brooke back in March of 2014. Both of you graduated from the University of Memphis. She has a degree in elementary education. Your degree is in accounting. Ella Jane... Claire Ann, those two precious daughters. And what's your son's name? Jack. Jack Elliott. Zach. Not any chance named after Jim Elliott. Uh, he is, and as well as our daughter. Ella Jane, his first name is actually Elizabeth. Those were intentional people for the gospel, Elizabeth and Jim Elliott. Oh, yeah. Their story has been a incredible impact on us. Uh, my wife and I, um, Elizabeth Elliott, has been a spiritual role model and mentor, really, to my wife for many years. And I was actually public school my entire life until my senior year. I went home school with Wendy and Mary Brooke and Mary Brooke's best friend. And that changed my life in many ways. One, I married <laughs> Mary Brooke out of that. But uh, Wendy had a study, Shadow of the Almighty, which was really my first foray into Jim and Elizabeth Elliott. And uh, from there, it's just been a snowball, really, that has been a life-changing part of our journey uh, and how God has uh, use that in their abandonment to the gospel, forsaking of this world, to lead us to missions and to use us uh, in that capacity. So we, we praise the Lord for that. Yeah, you know, I think it's so important, Joshua, that parents saturate their children's young minds with books and stories of missionaries. I don't think we hear a lot of that today as we did at one time, when stories like Hudson Taylor and some of these great missionary stories that inspire and encourage young minds to consider the opportunities of world missions. 
Amen. There's so many amazing resources out there that do that. And when people think of biographies, autobiographies, things like that, unfortunately, some people have an idea that those are negative things or those are boring things. And in reality, a lot of times they are the most exciting things when we see how God has led people throughout history, and people have seen him work by the power of the Holy Spirit as they lived out his commandments. We've seen with our children that when we have utilized those resources that tell these people's stories, they're enamored. They're the, they're the books that really they're most in tune with. And just a week ago for Easter, we got a series for our children that uh, just has many uh, stories from uh, men and women. They get so enamored with them. They love them. I would highly encourage any parent out there to seek those out, um, especially if they themselves have never looked into those resources and looked into biographies and autobiographies. My goodness, there's so many amazing ones out there. Well, there sure are. You know, the Apostle Paul in Philippians encourages believers to be like-minded of those who are passionate about following Christ. And I'm paraphrasing this, but those who are very intentional about living out their faith, who are grounded in their faith, those are the ones that we need to mimic and to follow as they follow Christ. And that's what Paul, I know, exhorted us to do. Well, Josh, back in 2018, you and Mary Brooke were invested in a ministry for two years as missionaries in Malawi at the Malawi Children's Mission where you were serving, teaching. There's about 150 orphaned and vulnerable students there in Blantyre, Malawi. What was that like? Life-changing. The kingdom of God is everywhere. The Lord specifically called us to work for that organization. There's something about being able to experience, not just in knowledge, not just in book, not just in that understanding, but experiencing firsthand the world around us and what the whole world is actually like. And being ingrained in another culture, in what God is doing in those cultures, it, it just it changes you. That began for us in short-term missions uh, when we were younger, to go into Honduras and Nicaragua and Haiti, and then also to Malawi. And that's where the ball really got rolling for us to be able to go and serve, uh, how the Lord used that in our own lives. And Malawi is one of the poorest countries in the world, depending on what statistics you look at. And it, it was... Such an interesting experience to raise children there, to um, ingrain ourselves, like I said, in another culture, another language, and to be able to bring the scriptures to these children who did not have parents, who didn't have hardly any of them had family around. They were living with friends or guardians, and we were able to walk alongside them and point them to Jesus Christ. And that was just an honor beyond honor. What is the community life like in Blantyre? So one of the stipulations for us to be able to go and serve was that we, for our safety, needed to live in the city. And so the mission that we worked with was about an hour one way outside of the city. So I would commute there four days a week. I would do four different teachings throughout the week and then one English teaching program. Man, the the life out there is hard to explain. <laughs> it's so different. There's no power. Uh, there's no water except for some wells that were generously donated. There's uh, hardly any food, depending on how the crops and the seasons go. Uh, there's government schools around the area have 90 students to one teacher on average. Uh, it's just it's just a different world than we're used to here. And to just jump into that and by the, by the Lord's grace and the guiding of His Holy Spirit to be able to bring the Word that applies to every aspect of whatever your life looks like. It's even those, and especially those, who are 
struggling on the level that these people were and still are and many around the world do was amazing to see the Word of God living and active in that way, that it is applicable not only here, but there, even when cultures and society look so completely different. But essentially, any picture you can imagine that is the worst that you've seen for a third world country, that is what Malawi was like. And that's not a knock or negative against Malawi. That's just where they are. And we were very fortunate to be able to serve there and to love those people. And love there is much different than it is here uh, in terms of how it impacts people. When you show up, the very fact that we were even there was life-changing for them. They couldn't believe that someone would come and do that. And then we were able to bring Jesus Christ. We were able to show them and live it out. That's something I can't put into work. Were there any fears that you and Mary Brooke had before traveling to Malawi for that two-year commitment? I, I know that you said you had some short-term experiences there, but realizing you were about to take your family for this two-year commitment, any particular fears you had? Many, <laughs> which I, I readily admit. Uh, there's, oh man, we had an 18-month-old, we had a nine-month-old, and my wife was pregnant with our third. Uh, we knew that she would be delivering there. Uh, we had discussed and came to the conclusion that uh, we had, uh, had at least committed to two years. At the point that we went, we did not know whether that would be longer or not. Uh, we were continuing to seek the Lord on that and how He would guide us. And we were not planning on coming home at all uh, during those two years to make sure that we were using that time effectively and also just for our own minds and hearts. Uh, you know, coming home pulls you back in, you know, for fa- with family and that whole sensation and difficulty of having to leave again. And our family all lives relatively close to Memphis. I mean, you're talking a three-hour drive one way, a four-hour drive another, and most are actually in Memphis uh, to see all of our family. And so that was a massive change for both Mary Brooke and I uh, on the family side. And that was probably the most difficult aspect. But it was interesting that as we moved, the Lord took those fears, and he specifically injected into our journey relationships to – build our faith to remove those fears from us, that he gave us those specific relationships that were almost like family there, that he gave us a specific hospital and a specific doctor that, you know, with Mary Brooks' complications with pregnancy that she has, we felt comfortable. We felt that the Lord was clearly, concisely, and specifically taking care of us. And as many fears and difficulties here, there, and everywhere that we had, you know, where are we going to get food? Are we going to have clean water? What, what happens when the power goes out? What happens when the water goes out? What happens, you know, across the board, all of these practical things amongst not only that, but spiritually, walking into a spiritually just different place. It, it was amazing to see how the Lord specifically injected these experiences and His grace and mercy into our journey to allow our fears to be cast out. Joshua, I appreciate the honesty and transparency of you sharing that, because I remember we boarded a plane to leave the U.S. with my family of three sons and my wife as we were following God's call as missionaries to the island of Guam. And, of course, the conditions weren't like you're talking about. There was electricity. There was water. But still, when you're boarding a plane, you're flying 10,000 miles on the other side of the world with your family. You know, you leave a sobbing airport with family and friends behind 
<laughs> tears, you know what I'm talking about, tears of joy, of course, but tears of sadness, too, of the separation. And you realize that everything in your life is behind you, and you're moving forward to a new destiny, a destiny that God's called you to, granted. But still, there's that human side. There's those fears, those, how's it going to turn out? Man, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it, it's how difficult it is to know that you are walking through the security gate and you're carrying an 18-month-old and a nine-month-old and, you know, with your, uh, I think you said three boys, and just kind of looking back and seeing the faces of your of your crying family, but knowing that and just having the faith that whatever journey you're about to go on, you know that God has called us to that and God has requested that of us. And if we believe what the Bible says about God, then that means that that's the best place we can be. And not only that's the best place we can be, that no matter what affliction or persecution or difficulties come our way, the joy and the peace and just the presence of God with walking with him is far outweighs whatever we have to forsake and walk away from to do his bidding and calling. Something else I think is important to emphasize, too, here with the listeners, and many people take short-term missions, as you mentioned. You went to Honduras. Uh, you said Nicaragua, I know. Of course, also in Malawi. And those are good things. Those are great experiences. But it's interesting, when we are taking trips like that, usually for a week, two weeks, maybe three weeks, sometimes at the most as a short-term mission, could be a month, you know, it's easy to kind of keep your composure in your own strength. And when those weeks turn into months and months turn into years, the real you comes out, you know? You can't hide behind anything anymore. I mean, you're you're there. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. There's this aspect that... Once you are really out of the comfort zone of what you know, and that bubble is popped, it's almost like God takes a bat, if you will, and goes into the museum of our strongholds and starts swinging. Because there's nothing that we can cling to anymore to keep those things around. And the Lord uses it as such a powerful sanctification tool in our lives. I mean, we, we, uh, <laughs> I, I, almost feel like we can say that we were changed more there than the people we were ministering to. And I can't know their hearts, but we've come back completely different. God's changed everything in our hearts and minds and, and just how we understand Him on who He is, on our understandings of, of His Word and, and His presence and His Spirit. And that just everything's changed. And that when you allow yourself to walk with the Lord in that way and, and submit to the Lordship of Christ and where He's leading you, <laughs> be prepared, because there won't be any more dark areas, or he will systematically reveal those dark areas in his glorious light to you of where you're still holding on, yes. of where, you know, oh, don't touch that area, don't go in that closet, but you can have all the rest. Oh, no, there there is no more hiding. And he does that throughout our entire life. That's the process of sanctification, but man— <laughs> wow. You know, Josh, the, the Scripture teaches us that without faith it is impossible to please God, because we have to be faith walkers, you know? We have to walk as Jesus did and, and live by faith in this relationship with Christ. And yet we think of these journeys of being in Malawi or whether it be Guam or other places around the world where we're stepping out in faith. But that same faith life— is what God expects us to live out right here in Memphis, Tennessee. Amen. There's an idea that, you know, oh, you know, someone's a minister or a pastor, or someone's a missionary, or someone's, you know, like there's there's some other path 
of faith that they're walking when people stick around, uh, you know, where they've always grown up or where they're walking in their jobs or where, uh, you know, God has them now. But the reality is it's the same path. And God knows exactly what we need and exactly what, how to say it. God knows what we need. And God knows where he wants us to go. And God will inject into our lives again what is needed to get us there. And for Mary Brooke and I, it was to go to Malawi. <laughs> and for others, it was to continue in the position that you're in, wherever that may be. It's the same walk of faith. And that faith pleases God. Praise the Lord. And I think it's easy in the routine of living life where we're comfortable is to do it in our own strength. We've got to find ways that we can intentionally express faith living where we are, even when it's the routine of life, even where we are in Memphis, Tennessee. Mm, That's so true. And, you know, anything done outside of faith is sin, right? And, you know, what does that mean? uh, What does that look like practically played out? You know, how do we walk by faith in that way on a daily basis? And there's so many resources, so many things that has you know, experiences, books, preachings, teachings, all those types of things that have impacted us. But one in particular is Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. If, if you've never read that book, I highly encourage you to, among many others. But that book really helped us to understand the practical welcoming of His presence and of the helper and advocate in our lives of the Holy Spirit and learning how to walk with him, even in the smallest of decisions, that we have to be faithful in the small things for us to be faithful in the big ones. And that goes in every aspect of life. And it's absolutely necessary. And that book for us was was pivotal in understanding that. Josh, you told me that you and Mary Brooke are currently in a transition in the ministry. What does that look like for you guys? What specifically do you believe God is directing you towards now? About a year ago, when COVID hit, a little over a year ago now, we were taking uh, our ministry trained drastically, and we were not able to go physically to the center anymore because Malawi essentially shut, shut down. And God used that time for us and has continued to take the vision and the calling that he had placed in our hearts so long ago, even before we went to Malawi, that seed, and grew it, especially when COVID hit to grow and grow and grow and flesh out and add to and reveal. And what it's led to is a heart for strategic connection. And that heart, he's called us to play out, really in one way, but for the sake of uh, technicalities of the government and everything, too. Um, There is the side of strategic connection in ministry uh, in connecting for the sake of the unity of the church and for the effectiveness of the kingdom of God and helping people practically in that area, connecting people, connecting donors and volunteers and ministries and churches and the whole gamut together, utilizing what you mentioned earlier, the experiences, the talents, the skills, the all of it that God has blessed you with, the personality, and using that to bolster someone else. Because a five-minute conversation may save you three months of research, six months of research, of trying to figure that out on your own, whatever it may be. 
it could be practicalities, it could be spiritual things, it could be mental, emotional, it could be in, in any sector of life. But that five minute conversation with someone because of a strategic connection could make you that much more effective for the gospel. You, God could use that connection to push his kingdom further through you as a tool. And so that's the, that's the ministry side that God has really laid on our hearts. And that was the one that he fleshed out first. And then as we continued on, continued to pray what that looked like, God continued to place in me and grow in me the desire to be a tent maker and that no more should we take anyone else's money, anyone else's support, practically speaking. And that has led to the formation of a company. Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier the technicalities. In the government's eyes, we're a for-profit, but the heart of our company is anything but. And the for-profit is simply to provide, to allow the Lord to provide through that the ministry vision, and that's what we're working towards. And the company is called Kingdom Specialists, and it will soak up intentional gospel, if you will, the ministry vision. Any money and all that kind of stuff that's been given will uh, be distributed appropriately among our ministry vision. We're just thrilled uh, to be able to do this. And, and that for-profit side is going to be utilizing Google Ads. And what we're going to do is be working with Christian companies to be able to strategically connect them with their customer base using the tool of Google Ads. I didn't know this, but over 80%, 80% of Google's revenue comes from Google Ads. And it is such a powerful tool that you can get so specific with to draw in the exact customers at the exact time for what they need and what they're looking for. And that strategic connection can allow Christian businesses to grow and to be leaders in their sectors for influence for the sake of the gospel. And so that singular heart of strategic connection is going to be played out really in one vision underneath that for-profit company. And that's what we're working towards. Oh, Josh. Praise the Lord. Lord. I love the innovation that you're describing and the creativity as God has given you a mind to be creative, to be intentional of ways that you can advance the gospel by being a tent maker. And I think God's calling other business owners to look beyond just the bottom line. Yeah, you've got to keep the business going. You've got to pay the bills. You've got people working for you that are depending upon you. You got a product to get out or, you know, a service to provide. But you've got to be intentional with your business when it comes to the gospel. And I know other business owners in our city, some that are basically living off of ten percent of their profits and giving away all of the rest for the gospel and showing it by the various ministries they're supporting and engaging. And the idea that you said about connecting, too, because Jesus said they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another, and that's what I think our city needs to see more than anything right now is our various churches and ministries working together in the love of Christ to promote the gospel and to be that light for others to see that there is hope instead of division, instead of separation, that we're working together for the cause of the kingdom of God. Amen. And that seed was planted, actually, from the church in Acts from the beginning, in the first four chapters of Acts. What you see is a unity. What you see in the church is this connectedness that was a major attribute of who they were that was so attractive that people were coming to the Lord daily. 
And it wasn't just the unity, but it was a major aspect of it. And that nowadays, I fear, is fragmented among the body of Christ. I fear that we have, someone said to me recently, that among churches, there is a spirit of competitiveness, and among nonprofits, there's a spirit of the donor, and that we're fearful to work with one another. And how tragic that we come to a place where we have segmented the body of Christ. There is one spirit, and that one spirit didn't just move in with us. He is one with us in our spirit. And when he's one with us, he's one with the others who've accepted him. And the reality is we're one together in the body. <laughs> Amen. And as much, as much as we try, we can't segment. And we have to bring that spirit of unity and welcome him back because he's there. But we've ignored it. And I want to be careful because I love the bride of Christ and I, I don't want to speak ill of her. But the reality is the fruit of unity is missing nowadays in large part. And it needs to be nurtured and fostered and allowed to be what it was originally designed and intended to be. Yes. Joshua, we have opened up a can of ministry worms. (laughs) We've got a lot of things we can address. We're going to have to have you come back. Our time is up on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. But I love your heartbeat. I like where you're going. And I can see potentially a variety of shows and topics to address what we're talking about today. So we'll look forward to that. But if somebody listening to the show today would like to connect with you and learn more about intentional using their giftings, talents, and skills for advancing the gospel in our city, what can they do? They can email us, email me in particular, joshua at intentionalgospel.org, I-N-T-E-N-T-I-O-N-A-L, gospel.org. Just my name, Joshua. And uh, I will be happy to reach out and connect with them uh, in whatever way the Lord leads. Joshua, God bless you, my dear brother. Thank you for what you and Mary Brooke are doing for the kingdom of God here in our city. Thanks for sharing with us today here on Mid-South Viewpoint. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Byron. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. The program you just heard is available at BotRadioNetwork.com or on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Stitcher. If you have suggestions for upcoming episodes, please email btyler at botradionetwork.com. Be sure when you visit our website to look for other programs available on our network to help you build a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. 